Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in His gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Well, good morning. It's morning time. Can everybody hear me? Well, again, welcome uh, to downtown. This is my first time here and seeing the new configuration, so this is uh, pretty cool to see so many faces um, and have the, the lines open, the city to city, and so what a gift it is uh, just to gather again. I dearly missed uh, everyone uh, in our time away, and Joey, Joey's back there. Joey was also away, so welcome back, Joey. How was Oxford? And, and apparently you went to Oxford, I went to Ghana, we came back and we dressed the same. We're brothers, that's right, that's right. Uh, well, again, uh, I want to greet you as we are we're beginning to f- uh, finalize our time in the book of Revelation, and I pray that it's been a blessing to you in walking through this book. The title of our series is A Final Unveiling. What we've been unpacking is God's masterpiece unfolding in the book of Revelation, and this is the Revelation of Jesus. So as we jump in, I, I just want to hear from you. Um, we have three more Sundays in the book of Revelation, or two more after this. Uh, as you've, what have you learned about Jesus? So what have you seen about Jesus in this book? Love to hear some feedback. So talk to me. He's sovereign over the end. Absolutely. Good. What else? I'll ask this section. I can walk around now. This is cool. <laughs> Anybody here? Just where, How have you seen Jesus? Where have you seen Jesus in the book of Revelation? What has been an encouragement? What have you learned about Jesus? He is coming back for us and wants us to be united with him for eternity. Good. He's coming back for us and wants us in eternity to be united with him. Fantastic. This section, Jesus. Tell me about Jesus in the book of Revelation. He's, he's our intercessor. Fantastic. This section, tell me about Jesus. He, he went. Unpack that. He wins. Oh, yes. My accent was a little off. Yeah, he wins. It's, it's, it's awesome traveling because, like, I, yeah, it's just cool. So English is different now for me. Uh, so I'm, I'm getting used to English because uh, I'll leave it there. Yes, this section. Jesus, tell me about Jesus in the book of Revelation. Trust in, yeah, absolutely, it's a reminder. And so I want to just encourage you, just see Jesus in this book. I mean, this is the revelation of Jesus. So even as we uh, dissect Revelation chapter 19 and chapter 20 today, be amazed by Jesus. When you read the book of Revelation, just, just see Jesus and, and our hope this Throughout this series, it's been an encouragement to you. But as we look at Revelation chapter 19, mainly looking at chapter 20, uh, this quote, I've heard it so many times. I think uh, the place I remember it being quoted was by Kaiser Sose. Anyone know who he is? What movie is that from? Usual Suspects. And one of the things he said is the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was what? convincing the world that he didn't exist. And so think about that. I think, I think we live in a time where there, there tends to be some extremes, right? There are some people that are so heavily focused on the devil 
And they live their life maybe in, in anxiety or in fear and just wondering, is the devil behind this? Is the devil doing this? And there are some that don't take any regard of the reality of the devil. And so this morning, I want you to just think about where you might be on that pendulum because he is real. And what we'll see in Revelation chapter 19 and Revelation chapter 20, his time coming to an end. Revelation 19, uh, I'll look at verses 19 and 20, and then we'll jump to chapter 20 and read the first 10 or so verses. And uh, it may read a little different. I brought my CSB, so forgive me if it doesn't read alongside the NSB uh, or the ESV. <coughs> Revelation chapter 19, beginning at verse uh, 19. It says, Then I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and against his army, that rider being Jesus. But the beast was taken prisoner, and along with it the false prophet who had performed the signs in its presence. He deceived those who accepted the mark of the beast and worshipped its image with these signs. Both of them were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. Revelation chapter 20, then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key to the abyss and a great chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. <clears throat> he threw him into the abyss, closed it, and put a seal on it so that he would no longer deceive the nations until the thousand years were completed. After that, he must be released for a short time. Then I saw thrones and people seated on them who were given authority to judge. I also saw of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or its image and who had not accepted the mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Verse 7, when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations at the four corners of the city. The fire came down from heaven and consumed them. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and saw for where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And friends, this is the word of God. Let's pray together. Almighty God, what a gift it is for us to gather to praise your name, to think about your amazing grace, and ultimately to see the triumph of Jesus. So as Lord, as we unpack the scriptures this morning, would you point us to Christ and please point us with clarity that we might have life and have it in abundance. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're coming to the final chapters of the book of Revelation, and specifically we see Jesus' triumph. So you begin reading the Bible. In the early chapters of scriptures, you are introduced to perfection. You see the Garden of Eden. The first man and first woman were put into a pure, perfect environment. And think about it. Other than those two, Adam and Eve, no one has ever known or seen a world without sickness, without suffering, 
without sorrow. Right? None of us. All know all too well the reality of pain, of suffering, of sickness, of evil. We read in Genesis chapter 3, and we meet the serpent. And he successfully tempts the first couple to go against the will of God, to disobey their creator. And from that moment on, the world is plunged into a war, a war that seemingly cannot be won. And so from that moment until now, the human humanity has been faced with an enemy that it seemingly cannot defeat. We live and are involved in a war that seemingly cannot be won. We are in a battle, and it seems like we're destined to lose. Think about your individual battles, your circumstances, the plagues, the fights you find yourself in, the sorrow, wondering, Lord, how long? Think about the late nights, the things that keep you up at night, and you're wondering, will this ever end? Think about those phone calls you never want to get, and yet you receive them. We're in a battle. And so that being the case, sometimes we're forced to ask this question, why must following Jesus hurt so much? How does God respond to these questions? What is God's solution? How does God respond? God makes a promise. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3, God says to the serpent, I'll put enmity between you and the woman. You will be enemies between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. And from that moment when that promise is made for thousands of years, the people of God have waited with great anticipation for the serpent slayer, have been waiting for the one to come that will finally put an end to that ancient serpent, the dragon itself. And you read Scripture, you read the book of Revelation, and who is the serpent slayer? Everybody say it with me. Jesus. Jesus is the serpent slayer. And so Jesus' answer to our distress Jesus' answer to our pain is this. It is that by his death and resurrection, he has won the decisive battle against the dragon. And so when we read Revelation chapter 19 and 20, here's the big idea. Jesus' victory over the enemy has paved the way for our victory. Jesus' victory over the enemy has paved the way, has blazed the trail for our victory. We're going to see that in what we read through the defeat of the beast, through the martyr's reward, and through the defeat of Satan. And so Jesus' victory paves the way for our victory. So those of you in here that might be struggling, those of you in here that might be going through a difficult season, or maybe everybody here, maybe everything is good, maybe life is grand. And if that's the case, praise God for you. But for for the rest of us who things might be a little bit difficult, for the rest of us that are thinking about tomorrow and what tomorrow's travails might bring, here's what I know. No no government, no money can solve our problems, right? Even if we had all the money in the world, it would not solve. These can't fight the battles that need to be fought. When you read Scripture, here's what I know. The serpent started the war. But guess who ends the war? Jesus. 
right? The dragon started this world, but Jesus is going to end it. There is going to come a day where peace is going to replace war. Luke talked about it a few weeks ago. Justice is going to replace inequity. Righteousness will replace wickedness. But before this can take place, there is a battle. And so in Revelation chapter 19, the first to be defeated is the beast and the false prophet. You read in the Gospels, Jesus himself said, when others went to fight Rome, Jesus hinted strongly that this was missing the point. The true enemy was not Rome. The enemy was the dark power that stood behind Rome and all other pagan empires. You see, Jesus spoke about fighting a battle with the real enemy, and Jesus demonstrated that the ultimate, ultimate way to win the battle was through the giving of his life. And so when you read in Revelation chapter 19, it talks about Jesus uh, as the rider on the white horse, and it says his robe is dipped in his blood. So the, the kings of the earth with their armies gather themselves together to make war against the lamb. And just as the, Satan deceived Adam and Eve, the beast and the false prophet have deceived the world into following them. We read about this earlier in the chapters of Revelation. They have amassed a huge army to fight against Jesus. It's supposed to be this great, large, powerful battle. So those of you that have read Scripture, there, there are several battles mentioned in Scripture, right? So name a battle in Scripture. The battle of what? Go back to the book of Joshua. The battle of what? The battle of Jericho. It's a, it's a, we, we learned it wasn't really a battle, right? Right? Joshua goes and the so-called battle, they march around and the walls come, following, come, come down. And so when you get to the book of Revelation, what's the big battle? Battle of what? Say it with confidence. The battle of Armageddon. So here's what we're reading. There's this big battle that they're assembling themselves to wage war. And so everything Satan can muster against God is here for this one climactic showdown. That's why I ask, how many of you like a good fight? Just when there's a fight, you show up. Right? Like, I remember in elementary school, like, anytime there was a fight, people would run to the fight. And watch it, because you wanted to see someone get, well, I wanted to watch somebody get beat down. I just, I just like a good fight. Uh, how many of you watch, like, UFC? <laughs> you like to see the script that shows the good fight, right? But, but we like a good fight. And so when we get to Revelation chapter 19, all this buildup for this great battle, and there's bad news, there is no battle. Jesus shows up, and Jesus wins. We are told that these two, the beast and the false prophet, are thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. Friends, there is no battle. Who can fight Jesus? That's right. And so if you and I can learn how to abide in him, he's the one that fights our battles. No one can stand toe to Jesus. And friends, that is good news. And so take all your burdens and cast them to him. He is able and so he defeats the false prophet, and he defeats the beast. And so as we grow in our affection to Jesus and see the significance of the victory which he has won in his death, there can be no doubt about the final outcome. Friends, reflect on the power and significance of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. 
And so we see in Revelation chapter 19, the beast and the false prophet are defeated. And so if, if you just think logically with me, the, the monster, the prophet and beast, if you read, remember, if you go back to the early chapters of Revelation, who is, who is the one at work behind the beast and the false prophet? Say it. Be confident. The, the, I can't hear you. Satan, but say it with confidence. Like, that's right. Like, you guys know this stuff. Everybody's like afraid. I think. No, say, the dragon, he is, he's the one motivating these world systems. He's the one behind these. And we've just seen them fall. The beast and the false prophet have been thrown into the lake of fire. And so inevitably, what should come next? If they fall, who should fall next? They, they, yes. Give me a high five, man. That's what I'm talking about. I'm going to come to you and give you a high five. That's right. Talk with confidence. So in that next thing we read, it should be the defeat of Satan, but that's not what we read. You read Revelation chapter 20, and it seems like there is this pause. There's this delay, right? The, the beast and the false prophet are cast in the lake of fire, and any person reading this would say, okay, the next person to fall should be Satan. But there seems to be a delay in Revelation chapter 20, you read about a thousand years, you read about uh, those reigning with Christ. This is not the first time we've seen a delay, right? If you read the book of Revelation, you remember when we opened up the seven seals, there was a delay between the sixth and the seventh seal to mark off God's people. And so in seeing the triumph of Jesus, which blazes the way for our victory, one, we see the defeat of the false prophet and the beast, but secondarily, we see the martyrs rewarded. I think Anush spoke of it last week, going all the way back to Revelation chapter 6, there was this constant mention of those that, are that have died for their faith. And so you get to Revelation chapter 20, in this delay between the defeat of Satan, you see the martyrs rewarded. Revelation chapter 20 verse 6 says this, blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over, this, over such the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. And so in the context of a persecuted church, in the context of Revelation being written to a church under attack, there is always this encouragement for those that do not compromise. So I ask you this morning, are you waging a decision on compromising? Are you thinking about giving up? Are you thinking about throwing your convictions out the wall, out the door, and doing your own thing? Revelation says, endure. And so that's what we see. We see the martyrs rewarded for their perseverance, their faithfulness to Jesus. Now, when you get to Revelation chapter 20, uh, you have this big debate about the millennium. Anyone ever hear about the millennium, the thousand-year reign of Jesus? Raise your hand if you ever heard about the thousand-year reign. Like, I want to see confident hands go up. All right. Who's never heard of the millennial reign of Jesus? Who's never heard about the thousand years? Let me see your hands. All right. The rest of you just, just, just don't want to raise your hands. I get it. It's all good. All good. So you have this thousand-year reign of Jesus. I won't spend a lot of time when we get to our discussion in Revelation and get into the nuances. Uh, this is the chapter. This is the chapter that causes all the controversy concerning the reign of Jesus, right? And so if you've heard words such as premillennialism, postmillennialism, amillennialism, Jesus reigns the chapter, all right? And so you can spend today until the rest of your life trying to figure out what the millennial reign of Christ is. I'll say this. One, Jesus reigns. Amen. Hallelujah. 
right? Over your life, Jesus is king. And if he's not king, I want to invite you today to surrender your life to him, and he will be king over your life. Amen, somebody. All right? Jesus reigns because he is sovereign, someone said it earlier. And so if, if you want to know the millennial reign of Jesus, we can just start there. He reigns. Whether it's today, tomorrow, whether it's in the future, it doesn't matter. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's my king, and I'm king. What the book of Revelation is trying to unpack and what matters to John is that the followers of Jesus who suffer for his namesake are promised that a day will come when they will be rescued, vindicated, and they will reign with Jesus. And friends, that's the good news of the gospel. If you do not compromise, if you stand firm in what you know to be true in Scripture, there is a promise for you that even if your life is taken away, you will reign with Christ. And for the vast majority of us, that's not our concern. We follow Christ, at most, we'll lose friends, right? We won't be liked. We're invited to things. So that's the extent of our quote-unquote persecution. For the vast majority of the people in the world we live in, this is a reality. Follow Christ and you might die. And the promise of Jesus' victory is this. Because Jesus reigns and he's paved the way for our victory, even those that suffer under the heavy hand of persecution are assured victory with him. Amen. Hallelujah. He's king. And so he defeats the beast and the false prophet. There's a reward promised for martyrs. And lastly, the thing that creation has been waiting for is written in Scripture, the defeat of Satan. Is there anyone here that longs for the day and is finally defeated? Anybody? That's what I'm talking about. Is that you again? I'm, I'm going to punch you in the gut. That's what I'm talking about. Friends, that, that, that is, again, if you, if you live in the spectrum where the devil is not real, then this means nothing. But if you know there is a force of evil behind many of the things we see, if you've ever experienced the pain of death, you know death has come because of sin, and he was the one that tempted there, there, is a, there should be bubbling up in you this righteous anger. Lord, when are you going to deal with him? Like I think about sometimes the, 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 the revenge I want on drivers on the road. Guys, I thought I was an aggressive driver, and then I went to Ghana. Man, I've seen a – man, I, I just I, – I'm a, I'm a great driver now. Because my brother-in-law, this is not being recorded, right? So he'll never see this. Won't say it at the second guy. Man, if you cut him off, something in his soul bubbles up. That I, I got to get you back. And he, it, it's, it, it's I, by the grace of God, I'm staying with you today. But friends, every time you feel this pain of death, every time you hear of news of someone being just like just how long? We might know a world free of pain, free of sickness, free of death. That is what Revelation is pointing us to. <clears throat> Excuse me. And though the release of Satan, you, you hear him bound for a thousand years, then he's released again. It's unexpected and unwelcome to us. It seems to be part of God's divine plan. God is up to something. 
to ensure that evil and every trace of it is rooted out of this world, allowing the great transformation into the new heavens and the new earth that we'll talk about next week when Joey shares. I remember a pastor of mine, because we, we, we fight our battles and it seems like we can't win, right? I told me an amazing example. Anyone ever deal with spider webs? Spiders, spiders. Anyone like spiders? You like spiders? I, well, I have a tarantula, so I like spiders. What's wrong with that? You have a dog, I have a tarantula. Don't judge me. All right, I used to have five, four died, so I have one. All right, so, so, so my pastor, he would always say, you got spider webs in the house, and people, what they do is they come get their broom, and they sweep away the spider web. But what comes back? The spider web. Why? Because we haven't dealt with the root of the problem. We haven't dealt with the spider. Friends, Jesus is going to deal with the problem. So when you read about the battle, we talked about the battle of Armageddon, there's something at work in the cosmos that rid this world of evil. And though Satan summons the nations for a battle, as we saw in Revelation chapter 19, there is no battle that takes place. If I take you back to Jesus on the cross, Jesus said to Telestai, he said three words that we, when we translated in English, he said three words, it is finished. Friends, when Jesus was on the cross dying, he said, it is finished. And friends, when Jesus says and said it is finished, he meant it. The days of the devil, Satan, they have been defeated. His days are numbered. Several chapters ago, Babylon was overthrown. Revelation chapter 19, the two beasts and their doom is recorded. And now at last, the ancient serpent, the dragon, Satan, has been overthrown as well. And that is good news. That he will not continue to plague the earth. When you read in Colossians, it says, Jesus put the evil gods to open shame when he triumphed over them at the cross. Friends, look at the cross, and on the cross you see Jesus triumphing. The Bible tells us that the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the world. That's absolutely good news that you serve Jesus. And so the beast and the false prophet are cast. You see the martyrs rewarded, and you see the defeat of Satan. And with Satan's demise, there are only two more enemies that remain. Can anyone guess what those enemies are? If you, no, they're gone. What is, what is the one thing you, you just, we don't like? Someone said it. Who said it? Confidence. Say, say, yeah, that confidence. Like, let me slap you too. Yes. Death. So when you read to Revelation 21, death is defeated. Hades is defeated. Jesus is the king and he will rule and reign. And so what does this mean for us as we close this out? Friends, you are safe and secure in Jesus. Do not compromise. Do not give up. He has everything under control. And the chief duty of Satan is to accuse, to slander. This is why the Scripture says that if you are in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. Friends, Jesus' victory paves the way for our victory. So I want to invite our team back up. 
We want to proclaim the truths of Scripture that we've read throughout the book of Revelation so that you might know where you stand in Christ. And so in Christ, you are safe and secure, protected by the Lord God Almighty and defended by the Lamb who has overcome. That in Christ, you are part of his church that is promised and is assured that if the church perseveres and it endures, the church will overcome. That if you are in Christ, you are the sealed people of God marked with his name. That in Christ you are the measured sanctuary of God, jealous hearted by the Spirit of God. That in Christ you are the two invincible witness of God. His enemies cannot silence you until you have completed your mission and delivered the testimony that he has entrusted to you. That in Christ you are the bride being prepared for her bridegroom. And that no matter what you go through in life, know that the devil can do you no harm. Friends, endure. Trust him. See him as the conquering king. So I want to invite us to pray and, and consider what uh, we've shared. Lord, are there areas that I've given over to the enemy that I want to rid myself of? Or maybe you know someone that is just going through a difficult and challenging time. The reality of the fall is at their doorstep, whether it's sickness, death, pain, sorrow. You can spend the next few moments praying for them. We received word earlier this week that uh, Mike and Chelsea Eller, as an example, uh, her appendix bursted. So they're going through a very challenging time. You might want to use these next few moments just to pray for them and proclaim Jesus' victory over their lives. And may that truth enable us to persevere and endure. Let's spend the next few moments just praying.